Fantastic. Thank you. We're going to have a look at a passage. If you want to follow along, uh, you can follow it on your, on your phones if you've got a Bible app or whatever. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 6 to 15, uh, if you want to find that on your phones. And we're going to jump into that in just a little bit of time. Um, before that, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the vision of this church. So if you have joined recently, uh, you may have heard us talk a little bit about the vision of St. Nick's. And the vision of, of St. Nick's is, is this, to play our part, along with all the other churches in Bristol and around the country, in three things. The evangelization of the nation. In other words, telling people the good news about Jesus. Amazing to hear that story of Nathan encountering Jesus uh, on Alpha and his life being changed. And we, we want to give everyone an opportunity, as far as we can, to experience that, to explore faith. Second is the revitalization of the church. In other words, to plant new congregations and new churches uh, in Bristol and beyond so that more people can have access to the good news of Jesus and to worship him. And the third thing is the transformation of society. And that means not just having an impact spiritually, but having an impact tangibly, physically in people's lives, and particularly those people who are struggling the most, uh, whether that is uh, those struggling with poverty, uh, but equally mental health, all the issues that are, people might struggle with. We believe that the gospel is good news in a real way, and we would love people to experience that for themselves. So as I said, that's our vision, and it's a big vision. And uh, it started uh, for us two years ago. So next week, I don't know if anyone's had a birthday recently, but next week we're going to be celebrating the second birthday of St. Nicholas Bristol. And it's been an amazing journey, an adventure. Uh, Jill and I uh, and our son Barney, who was six months old at the time, we moved down two years ago from London. We were invited by the Bishop of Bristol uh, to come to this building, which wasn't a church, hadn't been a church since the Second World War. It was offices and various things. And, uh, and with the vision to turn it back into a church and to be a picture of what we feel God wants to do in this city, which is to turn old buildings that look dead and unused back into lively places full of the Holy Spirit and an opportunity for people to grow and change. And, that, and that's what we've been doing on this last couple of years. And I have to say that God has provided in the most amazing way. He's provided, uh, uh, he provided startup funding. He's provided funding for this building to be turned back into what it was. He's uh, provided an amazing group of people who serve on team, all of you who are already serving, thank you again for those who, who signed up last week. We had 50 people sign up uh, to help. Um, amazing to see that happening. But also by giving. And I, also, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for your amazing generosity as a community. Uh, we have two gift days a year. Uh, partly because I don't, I don't want to talk about money every single week, uh, and I prefer to just have a couple of times in the year where we just talk about this and we say, this is what we need, this is what we feel called to, would you, do you want to get behind it? And last February, uh, we, we had one of these gift days, and uh, the response was fantastic. I'm really grateful. We basically hit what our target, what we were trying to aim for, to increase our monthly giving, 
We also had some one-off donations. Um, one area that people were giving to was we were, we were going to try and sort of um, cordon off the bottom corner of this building uh, with a sort of glass door for a creche because um, uh, the p- children like my son Barney are very, very noisy and we want to try and shut them in a, in a box and keep them quiet. Uh, no, we don't, not really. But we, I mean, we want them to have a great time, but equally it was a bit distracting. But then COVID happened and we decided to, um, we had to change. The building wasn't used. And so we've used um, the money that you gave on that to enable us to go online. And the exciting thing is being able to see over the last few months since we started in April, the number of people who've been joining online on our services. Uh, some weeks we've had um, 500 plus people joining online, many of whom would never have been able to come to church. And isn't that amazing that, we can, uh, that God could turn something which is really difficult for us but uh, into a way that can reach more people. And that, again, is thanks to you and your generosity. So thank you for all that you've given. And as I said, there's different ways that you can play your part in this adventure that we're on. Uh, by praying, it's great to see people in the building on Tuesday for our first Tuesday prayer meeting at 8 o'clock and online. Uh, by serving, this is what you did last week, by signing up for a team. If you missed last week, please get Laura's talk that was fantastic, uh, all about service, and you can join a team. You can do that on the website, as Betty was talking about earlier. And then finally, giving. And that's what I want to talk to you about um, today. There are various myths uh, around um, St. Nicholas. One myth is that St. Nicholas is a rich church. I would love it to be the case, but we don't have a huge uh, backlog of cash sitting somewhere in a bank account. We don't have investments or endowments or land that we could sell. Uh, We don't have any of that stuff. And actually, all the reserves are in the pockets of the congregation. And I think that's right. I think that's the way that it should be. We should be able to pray in faith and believe that God will give us everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. Second uh, myth, I think, is that St. Nicholas, sometimes people say, oh, is St. Nicholas financed by HTB, the church we came from in London, or the Diocese of Bristol, uh, or um, the Church of England? And the answer is no. Uh, again, it would be great if that was the case, but we, are, we, we received, as I said, some generous uh, funding to get the building going, uh, our initial staffing, but that money has either been spent or is allocated to be spent, and then it's basically over to us. We have to be self-sustaining, and that's, that's the situation that we are um, going into now. And uh, thirdly, m- myth is that my gift, often people say to me, well, you know, the numbers we're talking about are so big, my gift would be so small, it doesn't even make a difference, there's no, not even any point. But actually, there is a point, because whenever Jesus talks about giving, he talks about the heart, he, he, he talks about a widow who goes and gives the smallest amount of money in the temple. And he's, he commends her because it's not the quantity, it's not the size, it's the heart behind it that matters. So today, I would love to tell you about what we feel God is calling us to do in this next season as a church. Three things that I feel like God has been speaking to us about in order to bless the city and do that vision that we've been talking about. The first is to invest more in our digital church. 
to enable our online church uh, to continue, not just be a COVID thing, but be something that continues and grows. We're on three platforms at the moment. Uh, We would love to expand that reach. We'd love to improve the quality of what we uh, send out. Secondly, church in the building. It's amazing to see this church full of people um, as far as we can fit people in. But as you can see, we can't fit as many people in as we used to be able to do. And therefore, that means we need to expand uh, the number of services. And I'm going to say something about that um, next week on our second birthday. Uh, But we also would love to use this building in the best possible way that we can. And downstairs, if you've ever been downstairs, there's a crypt, uh, a medieval crypt. It's a beautiful building, but we haven't done anything with it. And we feel like we need to start to do something with it, particularly because I'm passionate about um, the young people in our church, particularly the youth and the children who haven't got a place to meet at the moment. I would love it if we could make that space a usable space uh, for our children and our youth. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? And the third thing is that we don't want to stop what we've been doing during lockdown. During lockdown, we decided that we would start a little food hub here, which grew very quickly to help other food banks around Bristol. And the need is huge, as I'm sure you know. And it's only going to get bigger. All the projections are that food poverty is going to increase in Bristol. And rather than, and we're so grateful for what you've given. You gave £16,000 over lockdown for us to be able to do that. But we want to carry on doing that. And that therefore needs money. But we also want to do more. We want to start a debt advice service for those who are facing um, real financial problems. And we also want to start a, an employment training course. And Nathan was, um, didn't say anything about it. He's far too humble. But Nathan is going to be overseeing an employment retraining, reskilling course for people who are struggling uh, with um, being made redundant. And, and I think that's the least that we should be doing. So these are all things that we, we feel like God is calling us to do as we play our part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. So that's why I want to talk to you today about giving. But let's be honest, there's nothing more embarrassing than that person who brings up money in conversations publicly. Have you got a friend like that? Anyone who sort of talks about money a bit too much, is a bit awkward, be like, can you stop talking about that? It's a bit awkward. We don't really like to talk about it, do we? And yet, there's one subject that Jesus talked about almost more than any other in the New Testament, and it is money. 11 out of the 39 parables that he told were about money specifically and how to use it. And actually, many of the things that people quote today are Jesus's original quotes about money. He cared about money, as I said, because he cared about people's hearts. You know, one of his most famous things that he said uh, is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where you spend your money reveals where your heart is. In other words, your bank statement is an x-ray to your heart. Look at your bank statement. It won't lie. It'll tell you where your priorities are, where your heart lies. And God is primarily concerned about your heart. And so he's concerned about your money. So let's read this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 6 to 15. Please follow along if you want to. It says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered abroad their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, people will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, in their, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Why give? five quick reasons from this passage. Firstly, because God has given so much to you. In verse 15, at the end of this passage there, it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's so good, I can't even describe it, Paul's saying. The gift that God has given to you. And a gift you don't pay for, you don't earn, you just get it for free. What is the gift that God has given us? Well, he's given us himself. If you think of the most generous thing that you can do to someone, it's not to give money, but actually to give yourself. There's a picture of that in marriage, two people giving themselves to one another. God in Jesus gave himself. On the cross he died in your place, in my place, to give us forgiveness, freedom, a future beyond death. What an amazing gift. And St. Paul says here, be generous because God has been generous with you. Second reason to give is because you can trust God to look after you. You can trust him to look after you. He can trust him to look after your finances. I don't know, a lot of you are probably struggling. I mean, this is a... a Statistically, that is, it's difficult at the moment. You may have lost a job. You may have seen your income come down. You may be struggling financially in all sorts of ways. That's the reality for many of us. But the temptation is, when things are tight, is to become fearful about our money. But God doesn't want you to be fearful. He wants you to be faithful. He doesn't want you to experience fear. He wants you to exercise faith. And right here in verse 8, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I wonder if you're thinking, I'm not sure I've got enough to survive. God's promises, he will provide everything that you need. You might need to tell someone that you need help 
It's the hardest thing in the world to say, you know what, I'm really struggling financially. Is there anything that you can suggest? I'm so glad we're going to be starting a debt course. It's not just for those who, who are in the poorest areas of Bristol, though that's what we're, we're hoping, but for all of us to work out how we can deal with debt. It's a really common issue for many of us. If, if you're struggling with that at the moment, we would love to help. Come and chat to us. And I love the fact that we don't have to do this on our own. That's what the church is all about. This week, I went to um, go and visit a couple who've had a, a baby in our congregation. And we took around some food. And it's part of what St. Nick's has set up, a, a food train. So that as soon as someone has a baby, for three weeks in a row, every night, there will be food provided by the community. You know, we're supposed to support one another. You know, that's one way that God does it. But here's God's promise is you will not be in need. That he will provide everything that you need. So don't worry. Don't let fear have a grip of your finances. Exercise faith. Even if you haven't got loads of money, God says, be generous. Give it away. Third reason that it's good to give is because it's good for you. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And all the sociological and psychological evidence backs that up. People who give are happier in general. People who don't give tend to be less happy. I don't know who's the most generous person that you can think of. I don't know if there's someone who springs to mind. Who's the most generous person that you've ever met? Well, my bet would be they're also quite a happy person, quite a jolly, friendly person. You know, they go together, generosity and, uh, and blessing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But I have to say, it needs to be a regular pattern. This is what I've found in my life anyway. I need to constantly say, Lord, help me be a bit more generous. A bit more generous. Help me break the fear over my money so that I can give it. I need to do it again. Uh, in beginning of lockdown, um, we, in our garden, we have um, a bay tree, a bay leaf, you know, it's delicious. One bay leaf is enough for, for you know, a pot of food, whatever you're cooking. Uh, we've got about 50,000 bay leaves on this enormous tree, which is totally dominating our garden. And so at the beginning of lockdown, I said, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort this out. So I, I spent a day, like, trimming it back. I did my back in in the process, but I did it. And uh, I felt really good about it. And, um, and I looked out the window the other day, and it's enormous again. Four months later, it's huge, and I need to trim it back. And for me, that's a picture of what it looks like to be generous, is regularly to go back and trim back the kind of fear that grabs hold of our money and say, no, no, I'm going to break this again. I'm going to give it away again, because that is good for you. It's more blessed to give than receive. Fourth reason, it's good for other people. And this is obvious. If you give something away to someone, they benefit. If you give something to someone who needs something, they do well out of it. Verse 12, the service that you perform is supplying the needs of the Lord's people. And uh, what's been amazing is to see that actually in practice through the COVID fund. I, I mentioned your generosity, but do you know what that's done over, over the last few months? It means that we've been able to support three food banks. As I said, 650 people, vulnerable people, every single week have been able to receive food thanks to your generosity. You know, those people have, had a, a, have been impacted. 600 people in the sheltered housing have had these meal packs and recipe packs that we've given to them. And I, I, I got this, um, this, was, this is one of the people who, who's in the sheltered, young person in the sheltered housing, uh, wrote this. 
to us, said, I've been struggling financially through the coronavirus restrictions. So these food bags have really helped me and enabled me to cook fresh meals for myself. I have been praying to God every day to get me through. And now I feel like my prayers have been answered. Your generosity could be the answer to someone else's prayer. How exciting is that? Fifth reason, last reason, is it's contagious in a good way. To give is contagious. Verse 12 says, This service that you perform not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I was taught this lesson by God uh, a few years ago when I went to a vicar school, to train to be a vicar. Vicar school, uh, a bit like Hogwarts, but just for vicars. And you go and you train for three years, and uh, they basically teach you how to be a vicar. And when I, we arrived in this, there was a place for, like, the married couples within, were in their own houses, but all the single students were uh, in sort of accommodation together, a little bit like going back to university. And it was a slightly bizarre time, I'll be honest. Like, most of us in our sort of 20s and 30s um, sharing this accommodation together having had jobs and all this sort of stuff and lived on our own, all that sort of stuff. But anyway, it was interesting. I met this guy on our first week called Tim. And Tim was a bit older than me. And uh, it turned out that he had just given up a very interesting career to train as a vicar. His career beforehand was he was the official magician for Arsenal Football Club. What a cool job. Well, I mean, Liverpool would be better, but it was pretty cool. And he basically, uh, this was his job. And he was also a musician. And I said to him, oh, wow, that was really hard to leave behind your old life to move. And he said, yeah, it was quite difficult. And actually, I haven't been able to leave all my old life behind. I've still got all my suits and all my guitars. I said, oh, wow, I've only got one suit and one guitar. What have you got? And he said, well, I've got six Armani suits from my days of, you know, when I used to earn more. And uh, there they were in his wardrobe, six Armani suits. And, and he said, I've also got five guitars. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And he showed me his, and they were really, all of them were really, really quality um, acoustic guitars. And um, I, I said, could I play one? I played it for a little bit, and he said, that, yeah, that's fine. I said, can I borrow it for a little bit? And he said, yeah, go and borrow it for a couple of days, gave it back. Uh, and then he said, you know what? I'd love you to borrow it for you know, the whole of this term. So I borrowed it for the whole of the term. And then I actually had it for the whole year. And this was a really nice guitar. My guitar was nothing compared to this. And at the end of the year, he came up to me and said, you know, I've been praying about uh, sort of leaving behind my old life and blessing other people. I would love to give you my guitar. I was absolutely flabbergasted. This was a seriously nice guitar. And I sort of argued with him a tiny amount and then said yes. And then, um, and then I said, well, what shall I do now? I was praying to God. I said, this is amazing. And I felt like I should give my guitar away. I don't need two guitars. I'll give the other one away. So I had a fr another friend called Tim, a uh, different Tim. Not all vicars are called Tim. Uh, and he basically was learning the guitar. And I said to him, would you like my guitar? And he said, that's amazing. Are you sure? And I said, yeah. Oh, I've just got one. I'll give you mine. And he said, that's incredible. So he started playing my guitar. And then he was about to go on a trip to South Africa to go and do some um, work in a couple of churches out there. And he took his guitar with him. Uh, to South Africa. And when he was out there, he met someone who'd never learned the guitar before, and he gave him his guitar. And for me, that is a picture of how generous generosity works. When you receive generosity from someone else, you want to give it away. You want to give it, you don't care. You just want to bless other people. So, why give? Well, there's five reasons from this passage. The next thing is how. How do you do 
this giving thing? How do we do it? Well, I've got a little mnemonic based on the word give. G-I-V-E. And here's, uh, this is all from this passage as well. G-I-V-E. G. Give generously. As I said, generosity is something that will benefit you and other people. But verse 6, he gives an illustration. He says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. What God has given you, what everything that you own, everything that you have, is like a seed. And when you plant a seed, something develops from it that's far bigger than the seed itself. So I've got some seed over here. Uh, this is bird seed from our um, bird feeder back at home. Anyway, so this is seed. This is just very normal seed. But this is tiny, isn't it? You plant one of these tiny seeds. You can't even see it. And from it will emerge something far greater, far bigger. But the point he makes here is that God has given you, each one of us, seed capital, as it was, as it were. This is something that we could choose what we do with it. And the choice is we can grip hold of it, grip tight of it, hold onto it. Or we can do what he says here, so generously. In other words, give it away. Whoa. Great audience participation. But the problem is, if you hold tightly, if, someone, if someone's going to pour more seed into my hand, there is no space. Because I'm just holding so tightly. The only way that I'm going to receive more is to sow it again. There we go, Father Matt, a little bit for you in the front row. But actually, God says to us, don't hold on to what you've got. Give it away. Give it generously away. The more you sow, the more you'll reap. I'll hoover this all up later on. Don't worry. Um, the more you sow, the more you reap. The more you sow, the more you reap. The point is, if you don't sow, you won't reap. So be generous, he's saying. Now, the temptation is to think, well, and I used to think this, like, well, fair enough, but what's mine is mine. My money is my money. I earned it. It's very easy to think that. Uh, yesterday, uh, no, Friday, my son Barney and I, we, uh, he, he basically said, can, Daddy, can I get in the front seat of the car and drive the car with you? And I thought, well, probably, that's probably not a good idea. Two and a half. I'm not sure you should be driving a car. Um, and then he pestered me and pestered me. So basically I said, okay, you can get into the driving seat. And I just thought, you know, you might as well start me young and save a lot of money on driving lessons later on and all that sort of stuff. So he got into, I took the key out. And uh, he, got into the, um, he got into the driving seat and he was there with the steering wheel and he was brimming away and having a whale of a time. And he got more and more into it and he got more and more sort of bossy as he was doing it. He would say, Daddy, put your seatbelt on. So I put my seatbelt on. And, Daddy, don't move. I had to stay still. And he was driving and he was, he was loving it. He was loving it a little bit too much. So I said, right, it was time to, time to stop now. And he said, no. And I just did what I was told, just sat back in my seat. And he carried on driving a little bit. And then eventually, um, I said, right, Barney, we would really need to go now. And I tried to pull him away from the, dry, the, dry, the steering wheel. And he just held onto it with it all his might. And he went, no, it's mine. And I thought, no, it's not yours. It's my car. I paid for it. I, this is my car, not yours. 
But then I thought, hang on a second, why am I having a shouting match with a two-year-old in our street inside a car? This is crazy. I thought, well, actually, this is not my car. We got given that car, actually. When we moved to Bristol, we didn't have a car, and someone gave it to us for free. So it's not really mine. It's kind of theirs. But you know what? They told me a story when they gave it to us, which is that they got it for free. Someone had given it to them. And actually, ultimately, none of it is ours. And it's all God's. And he gives all of it generously and just says, would you just be a bit like me? Be generous like me. Give it away as much as you possibly can. Bless people. So what I say to people is, think of not what's the minimum I can get away with giving, but what's the most that I could do. That's the generous way. Secondly, intentionally. Verse 7, he says, this is how to give. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Decided, that's the key word. In other words, don't just sort of think, oh, you know, when I'm feeling generous, I'll, maybe I'll do something about it. Or maybe I'll get to the end of the month and if there's anything left that I haven't spent, maybe some of it I'll give away. Now he says, be intentional, decide, choose what you're going to do with the money that you have. And that's re really hard, I think, particularly if you're a student. I remember when I was a student, I was at Exeter University. My first week, I turned up at church. There was someone giving a talk about giving like this. My heart sank, as yours probably did, when you found out I was speaking on giving. And I thought, oh, gosh, here we go. And I, and I was just thinking, well, it doesn't really apply to me because I have got any money. I'm a student. I've got nothing. And the person who was speaking talked about an American businessman called J.D. Rockefeller. Um, and he was, uh, people have calculated, he was, probably the most wealthy American who's ever lived, including at the moment, if you compare it to GDP at the time. And he was also the most generous American. He was the biggest philanthropist. He used to give away huge amounts of money. And there was this quote from J.D. Rockefeller, which was this. If I, uh, I would never have given out of the first million that I had if I hadn't given out of my first paycheck, which was just a few dollars. In other words, if he hadn't established that principle right at the beginning, when he had no money, when he had loads of money, he wouldn't have been able to give away as much as he had. And, and the biblical principle is, well, in the Old Testament, it's tithing. Tithe is 10%. In the Old Testament, they distinguish between tithes and offerings. Tithes, 10% that you'd give to the upkeep of the temple and the worship. And the, the, the offering would be over and above your, your sort of uh, regular giving. It would be a one-off that you'd give for, you know, sorting out the roof in the temple or whatever it is. And this is the principle of the Old Testament. That's where they, the early Christians would have grown up living as, as Jewish believers, many of them. But then they suddenly thought, oh, because of Jesus, I'm free from the law. I don't, I'm not constrained by the law. But rather than saying, I'm not constrained by the law, I'll give a lot less. They said, I'm free from the law, so I want to give more. And that's what they did. They tr over and above that 10%. So people say, you know, should you tithe or not? What I say is, it, tithe is, like, think of it as a, not like a ceiling, but like a floor. Like something to start with. And then see how much God can move you forward to more and more generous giving. And uh, Jill and I, we, we give. Uh, we, we try to give... Uh, 10% at least to St. Nicholas. And we, give, we have some other um, uh, giving that we do. But the majority of our giving goes to St. Nick's. And the reason for that is that anyone might support the other charities that we support. But only 
the people of St. Nick's are going to support St. Nick's. So it's really up to us what we want to give to. But that's, that's what we do. And every single time we have a gift day, we say, Lord, help us give a little bit more and a little bit more. We try to do it at the beginning of the month. We set up a standing order just because I'm admin. I'm not strong on it. And if I do it, then it's done. V, last two, V, voluntarily. Verse 7, each of you should give not reluctantly or under compulsion. Guilt is a terrible motivator. It's a terrible motivator. If you do things out of guilt, it will eat you up. It's not good for you. And actually, the good news of the gospel is you don't have to deal with guilt anymore. The wonderful news of Jesus is your guilt has been taken away. Your sin has been paid for. And therefore, guilt is not a Christian emotion that we should be walking around feeling the whole time. We should be free. That's what the good news of Jesus is. That's what the Holy Spirit brings in our hearts, is freedom. It says, if the Son of God sets you free, you will be free indeed. So don't do anything reluctantly or under compulsion or out of guilt. Rather, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the one who owns everything anyway. Lord, would you lead me? Thank you for all that you've given me, but would you lead me? Would you excite me about giving? And lastly, and it links to that, E is for enthusiastically. It says here, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Verse 7. And the word, the Greek word, hilaros, means hilarious. It's where we get the word hilarious. In other words, he says the Lord loves hilarious giving. People who will laugh as they give away their stuff because it brings so much joy to them and to other people. And you know what? There is a spiritual battle for your heart. And this is what we come back to, is that God primarily is concerned for your heart. Don't let money take a grip of your heart. Don't let fear dominate. Break the power of fear through generosity. And you will see freedom come in your life. The worship we're supposed to, we're supposed to worship God with our hearts. And we do that in the way that we act and everything else that we do. So can you imagine just for a second what could happen is if this congregation and this is one service, we've got many services, I've been talking about this all day, but can you imagine if all of us together thought, you know what, I'd love to get stuck in. I'd love to see what we could do. Can you imagine what might happen if someone like Nathan were to come on Alpha because of your gift and their life would be transformed? Can you imagine if someone walks into uh, the the debt service and is set free from years of being struggling under debt. Can you imagine what would happen if someone who's lost their job under COVID and is struggling to know what to do and their mental health is struggling is able to reskill, retrain and find a new job? Can you imagine what would happen if we were able to expand and we were able to send people to different plants around the city and see that magnified all over the place? You know, I believe that if we all get involved, if we all get stuck in, even in the smallest way, that we'll see this vision become reality. We'll see the re-evangelization of this nation. We'll see the revitalization of the church across Bristol and beyond. And we'll see the transformation of society.
That's what I'm praying for. And I wonder if you would pray with me for that too. So, how should we respond? Well, I just want to lay out before you very honestly what we are praying for and hoping for from this gift day and what happens afterwards. We would love to increase the monthly giving in the congregation by £4,000 a month in order to do all the things that I've mentioned. If To break that down, that's if 40 new givers gave £100 a month, that would do it. If 80 new givers uh, gave £50 a month, that would do it. That's not to mention those in the congregation increasing potentially what they're already giving. And at the moment, we have 169 people who are giving by uh, standing order or direct debit every month. The highest is uh, four figures a month. Uh, the, the lowest is a couple of pounds a month. But as I said, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the average is 126 pounds a month. But I, I don't really care about the number given. I care about the number of people giving. And even if it's the smallest amount, I think we can do this together. But in addition to wanting to raise that, we also want to have like a one-off. So if we talk about tithes and offerings, we would love to uh, give you an opportunity to respond to this particular need around uh, the COVID fund. And um, one of the exciting things is that we have been part of something called Love Your Neighbour, which is a, a conglomeration of 245 churches, all different denominations across the country, uh, over a thousand schools, local community projects. There are 52 hub churches around the country, and we're one of those hubs. And together as an organization, we um, asked the government whether we would be able to get some government backing to do the things that we've talked about. And I don't think in the history of governments recently at least that they've ever given directly to churches for various reasons. But we found out 10 days ago that they said yes. They said yes, we would love to do a match funding project which means that we've applied to do £22,000 worth of work uh, to help alleviate poverty in those three ways. And the government said, if you put in 22, we'll put in 22 as well. Which means that if you give uh, today to that fund, the government will match whatever you give. And I think that's really exciting. So let's say £22,000. Uh, let's split that down into half. We've got two gift days. £11,000 to try and raise this gift day. That's 110 people giving £100 each. We would do it just straight away like that. I don't know what it is that you feel excited about, but could it be that the Lord might be able to use something, even if it's tiny, to help others in this city? So what I'd love us to do is to pray. As I said, there's nothing worse than guilt. I don't want anyone to give out of guilt or compulsion. That's the last thing I want. But what I would love you to do is to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what would you like me to give? So why don't we do that now? Why don't we just open our hearts in prayer to God and then invite him to speak to us, believing that he will because he loves you and he loves to speak. So, Lord, we pray tonight. We ask that you would speak to us now, each of us. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to us. Thank you for Jesus, first and foremost, for your generosity to us. And, Lord, we want to respond to whatever you say. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us now. I just encourage you in your heart just to, to open your heart and open everything to the Lord. And just say, Lord, it's all yours. What would you like me to do with it? Maybe you're part of another church and you're just visiting here today. Well, my encouragement is give to your local church. Don't give here. Give to your local church. But if you're here and you might just want to say, Lord, is is there anything you'd like me to give today? Lord, we thank you that you will provide for all of our needs. And so, Lord, we offer you ourselves. We thank you that you are with us, that you will help us. You will look after each of us here. But we also pray, Lord, that you would release generosity to bless this city. As we seek to bless the city, would you do that through us? In Jesus' name, amen.